0: Blessed Advent, everyone. Um, We won't get the jump on Merry Christmas just yet. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing about Advent and the church calendar. I don't know, you may know this already, so I hope I don't bore you, but um, the church calendar has ordinary time which is like all the time that special stuff isn't happening. And then it has six seasons in two groups of three. So there's Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. Um, Epiphany is like when we celebrate the wise men doing their thing. And then we have Lent, which I'm sure you've heard of, and Easter and Pentecost. And so Advent, the first of the six seasons, and there's some ordinary time in between, and then like most of the summer and fall is ordinary time because the sun is up and the days are long, and we don't need lots of holidays. <laughs> um, that's, that's my guess anyway. Uh, so with Advent, it is to be a season of preparation, which in some ways I think American Christmas is well aligned with Advent. There's a lot of Santa Claus checking his list twice and shopping for presents and baking cookies and that kind of thing. Um, but I also think in some ways American Christmas is not aligned with Advent very well. Um, because it might surprise you to think of Advent as a season of fasting the same way that Lent is a season of fasting. I don't know about you, but there haven't been very many Decembers in my life in which I have fasted. Like for Lent, I've given up chocolate, and I've given up coffee, and I've given up TV, and I've done those kinds of things. But for Advent, it's more like, "Mm, right, but there are Christmas parties to go to, and there's a lot of sugar there, so clearly I better not fast from sugar during this time. So so I think that um, I really like to encourage us during this Advent season to slow down and to be able to enjoy the preparation of the season, maybe not fasting in the way that we might think of fasting during Lent, you know, sackcloth and ashes and meditating on our mortality and our deaths, Um, but maybe a little bit more, maybe a little more, like a little slower than what American Christmas would give us, like not Black Friday time and not the frenzied shopping time, that kind of a thing. So I hope that we can have a very relaxed next four Sundays as we explore hope and joy and peace and love which are kind of our themes for each Sunday of Advent and so today we're going to be talking about hope so I'm going to try to light this candle I'm going to ask Ryan to come up and light this candle (laughs) it will be this one that is opposite the pink candle because that's the the love candle and that's the third week Um, so with Advent um, as he lights this candle let's just take a moment and let's pray God, you're here and we're with you and we love you. Lord, I ask today as we meditate on hope and we consider the hope that you bring us, Lord, I ask that you would let hope fill our hearts and just fill all the little crevices and the cracks in our lives, all the places where we're falling short or where we need more. Lord, I ask that your hope would just cascade into our lives and that we would find real rest in you this morning. We ask for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. So, uh, something that is in the zeitgeist right now, and it'll be coming up when we get closer to the new year, it's become a popular trend to pray about or to consider to think up a... I'm a Christian, so I obviously turn think, think Up into Pray About, uh, to think up a word for the year. Like, what's your theme for the year? Have you heard this? Some people do this. They're like, oh, this is my word for the year. I think a year is a really long time for me to stay focused on one word. And I'm a focused person. But a year just feels really ambitious. But I do think that during Advent, uh, as I was praying, I felt like God said, oh, I've got a word for the church for Advent, for us. And I think that word is unhurried unhurried. The theologian Dallas Willard, who passed away just a few years ago, there's, um, he was asked once, how do I grow spiritually by um, one of the person that he was mentoring? And this slide is actually way at the end, Anthony. I don't know if you could jump to that one for me. But the Dallas Willard quote about hurry is that in order for us to develop our relationship and to grow personally with Christ, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. For hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our world today. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. I think if I were to ask us the question, what's the great enemy of spiritual life? Hurry might not be the first one that I come up with. You know, I might think of injustice or consumerism or, I don't know, I might come up with a bunch of different ones, but I think that's so insightful to say hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life because, um, uh, Connie Ten Boom said, or Corey Ten Boom once said, you know, if Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. (laughs) Which I think is, like, so, like, gosh, that just really resonates with me. Like, if Satan can't get me to break my connection with God through uh, just, like, out-and-out sin, like, lying or cheating or, you know, like kicking dogs on the street or something, then then Satan will make me really busy because it still breaks that connection that I have with God. And I think Advent is such a wonderful opportunity for us to um, nurture that connection some more and pay special attention to it and have a nice time. So I just want to encourage us all to um, just like take a deep breath and kind of relax down into our seats. And um, in the spirit of our unhurriedness, I'd like to encourage you to, uh, you know, if If you fall asleep during church the next four weeks, like, this is your past, that's fine. Let's just go where the Holy Spirit leads us. I just think that God wants us to be able to relax into his love during this time. There's so much pressure that's put on us over the holidays with the parties and the presents and making traditions happen for our family members or our friends and um, keeping on top of work while all of that is happening. I just think that the word from God for us is just to take some time to, like, really relax here. Like this is our time to really find a Sabbath and to really find that space where God can fill up our lives with hope. So um, Thanksgiving is such a nice way to get into Advent. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I got to see my family, which was good. It wasn't, however, the best Thanksgiving ever. Um, Josh and I had a best Thanksgiving a few years ago, and I think it probably will be the best Thanksgiving of our lives. It will be very difficult to top. Um, If I've told you this story before, we're kind of in like a sorry, not sorry situation because it's about one of my kids, and I'll just be telling the story for the rest of my life. Um, but Ender is our November baby in 2013. He was born on 11, 12, 13, so he has kind of a cool birthday. Unless you're British and you go day, month, year, then his birthday isn't cool at all. So thank you all for being American this morning. And um, we're just going with, like, the month, day, year, because it's cool. And um, he had we had a very different um, experience with him because while we had a midwife for Bolt, Ender was born in the hospital. And this picture, though, isn't from when he was born in the hospital. Let's just stay on this one for a second. This one was actually from two weeks after he was born. So Ender was born on the 12th of November and then um, we just had like happy baby times that were very like simple and awesome and we had like a toddler at the time too like Bolt was two years older and so we've got a lot of videos of like trying to get Bolt to say I love the baby and you know, he wouldn't do it and <laughs> and, uh, and that was really great and we were in Philadelphia at the time we um, had Thanksgiving plans with friends who were going to really like invite us into their home for Thanksgiving because they knew we were far away from family and we couldn't afford to make the long trek home and so so, um that day, like Thanksgiving day, kind of around noon we 're sort of gathering up all of our things to go to our friend 's house for thanksgiving and Josh says Interfield's really kind of warm, doesn't he? And I kind of thought, Nah, I don't think, I haven't noticed anything. And you like, moms know about these things. And so I went over to like touch his forehead just to like, you know, oh no, I have to kiss my baby's forehead again to check and see. But I was sure that he would be fine, that everything was fine. And I kissed his forehead and he really was like super hot. And when um, when really little babies get sick, something biologically that happens is they don't have as many ways to tell us what kind of sick they are. Like, congratulations, adults! You actually all have lots of different ways for to tell someone that you're sick with your sneezing nose and with a fever and with a sore throat and with a stomach ache and with swelling and with redness and with earaches and with bone aches. Like, you've got lots and lots of methods. Like, your body's actually very communicative with you. For babies, it's like a fever and that's it. <laughs> like, when you're born, a fever is is the only way that your body knows how to say something is wrong so when your baby your teeny tiny like 16 days old baby has a fever you have to go to the hospital because maybe it's a cold or maybe it's meningitis which is a fatal disease so we dropped Bolt off with our friends who were happy to just have one of us instead of four of us because they were like, yes, get your baby to the hospital. We'll take care of everything with your older child. Oh, man, if you ever have a chance to say we'll take every care of everything with one of your children because your other child is sick, please say it. It's such a blessing. And we went to the children's hospital in Philadelphia, and they said, yep, he's got a really high fever. And they admitted him, and it was horrible (laughs) they put him in this teeny tiny baby hospital gown which on the one hand is like like you know how all the baby stuff you're like oh the baby stuff is so cute and then you think like there's such a thing as baby hospital gowns because, like, babies have to wear hospital... Like, there are enough babies that get sick that they have, like, a supply of hospital gowns for babies. And then if you go to the next picture, they have this thing that they call a no-no, and you can see it on his leg. It looks like a cast, but it's not. It's that he had to have an IV, and then they kind of strapped this hard, plasticky, Velcro-y thing over it so that he won't, like, pick it out or rub it up. You know, like, yes, he, he kicks around, like, it won't wiggle out of it. And... um and babies' veins are so small, and the needles that they use for IVs are so, like, not small enough. And um, they kept having to move it around. So it, well he had, like, the IV, like, in the leg, and then a wrist, and then the other wrist, and then the other leg. And they just he kept having to find things. And Josh and I took turns with who was in the room when the baby was getting the IV because the other one of us, like, it's just really hard to watch somebody poking your baby with a needle when they're that little um Josh talks about wanting to like punch the nurses in the face but you know he didn't cuz they're doing their job and they're doing a really good job and um it was awful we were in the hospital for 3 days and he was so little and they had to take all these cultures they had to do a spinal tap they had to make sure he was okay we had to ride in an ambulance from one hospital to the other to get to the specialists it was we didn't sleep and we didn't eat and we just were scared for like 72 hours and then, next picture, everything turned out just fine. And there's our little guy. And you all knew that already because he's upstairs playing and you've all met Ender. And you know this story doesn't end with my child's tragic death. But he was really on the line like we just we didn't know, you know. And uh, we went in on a Thursday and then we came home on a Sunday. So holiday-wise, it would be like... Exactly six years ago today, we loaded up into the car, and we put him in his car seat, and it was like coming home from the hospital again with our newborn baby, only now it was like our, you know, like our he-didn't-die baby. And um, and Josh and I, like, we got in the car, and we just looked at each other, and we said, best Thanksgiving ever. (laughs) This is the best Thanksgiving ever. You know, we've had so many Thanksgivings where we were surrounded by food and friends and family. So many times when we got to sit by a fire or plan Christmas budgets or do puzzles there for a while. The Arns, my maiden name is Arn, got on like a big puzzle string on Thanksgivings. But the Thanksgiving that we spend in the hospital because we got to leave the hospital with everyone healthy and whole at the end was just like takes the cake far and away. It's just the best Thanksgiving ever. And it really helped me to understand this passage in Romans, which I think is fairly mysterious. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn, or if you have your phone, you can look it up. We'll put it on the screen. It's Romans 5, and it's the first five verses. Really the first two are for context, because I really want to focus on verses 3 through 5. In this, Paul writes this to the Roman church. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has also given us. We rejoice in our sufferings. Really, if you look at this, the way this was presented to me one time was um, uh, as I was uh, doing Vineyard Leadership Institute and learning all the things you're supposed to learn before you become a vineyard pastor. um, Somebody said, you know, we as human beings, we really need to find many sources of hope because hope kind of seeps away from us, right? Like I'm hopeful sometimes, but if I don't cultivate it, I can become hopeless rather quickly and rather easily. Like if I don't think about it, it can just... It can just kind of slip away from me. And, um, and he said, so one source of hope, according to Romans 5, is suffering. Suffering is a source of hope. And I think this is like the special mystery of God. I feel like this is God just so being himself. If I can put um, my understanding of God into my own personal terms, I think God really likes to win. (laughs) Because when God wins, we all win. Because goodness wins. And I think Satan takes something like suffering and waves it around and says, I'm going to get him. I've gotcha, gotcha. Your baby's in the hospital or something like that. And I think that God says, you know what? What? When things are going good for my kids, things are going good for my kids, and when things are going bad, that will also produce hope in their lives. Either way, I'm going to come out on top. I think that's, I like to win a lot. I'm a little competitive. My I, one time, my my son and I went to like a mother son game night, and. Um, I didn't let him win every single game, which I guess you're supposed to do when they're five. Hashtag bad mom. And, like, we got in the car. He didn't want to leave because he wanted to beat me one more time at Connect Four. And I said, you know, Bolt, I I understand how hard it is to lose. Mommy loves to win. And Bolt said, you don't love to win as much as I love to win, Mommy. (laughs) Which, like, yeah, I deserve that, probably. And I feel like God is just, he's right there with us. You know, like, there's just like a little heart of God, like a, a part of God's personality that, that is captured in this. Like, you know what? I'm just always going to get my way. I think God's just always going to get his way. And even when things are bad, if we invite him into it, and if we let him walk with us through it, then even when we're suffering, that can result in hope. So often, I think when we look at the Bible story, uh, especially upstairs in kids' ministry, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about it from Mary's point of view, which I love so much. You know, like here's a woman, a young girl, really, like a very young woman who's uh, excited and she's engaged and she's starting her life and then, oh, pregnant and how do I explain that? And like it's a little awkward and then she gives birth to Jesus and she's a mom. Like, isn't that a nice story, you know? Um, But I do think it's important that we take a step back and we look at kind of the prequel of what happened to Mary. Don't you love a good prequel? Anybody seen, like the, dark, uh, like, the Dark Crystal Resistance? We're still, like, partway through that. And it's just like, yes, like, tell me what happened before the story that I know so well. This is so interesting because little things happen, and you're like, oh, I see how that's going to make that happen. And that is like, oh, because of that. And, you know, and you just, anyway, I geek out on it. But, um, but I think it's important that we look at the prequel, and when we come to the story of the birth of Christ, with the kids upstairs, we've been looking at Prophets. And the prophets are, like, some really fun, exciting stories, right? Like, Daniel's in the lion's den, and Jonah gets eaten by the whale, and Elijah's running from Jezebel and Ahab, and that's when, like, the the can you light your altar on fire, Baal? Oh, no, he can't, but we can light our altar on fire because God's awesome. Like, it's all those, like, the really, like, power exciting stories. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, like, in the furnace. Like, the kids are into it. I ask them questions after, and then the next Sunday, the other teacher will ask questions like, what happened last week, and the kids remember it all, every detail, because, like, the time when God was talking to the prophets in the Old Testament is, like, that is some good YouTube, y'all, like, we've got, like, a lot of animated stories, and, like, it's it's very exciting, and it really gets in there, Um, but then the thing that happens next is after, and I think it's Malachi, although I should probably have confirmed that to show off my smarts, um, after the last prophet, the time between the last prophet and the birth of Jesus is 400 years. God gets really quiet for a long time with his special family, the Israelite people. And they tell us that sometimes, like in preaching, they'll say one way to get people's attention is to be quiet. Because it's weird, right? And like it's notable and interesting. Like God gets really quiet for like a really long time. And I think that... When you look at the Old Testament as a whole of, like, here's this family, and they grew, and they went to Egypt, and God saw them through these famines and stuff, and then they became slaves over a course of hundreds of years, and then they were delivered from that slavery, and then they fought to take over this new land, and then over time, sometimes as a result, they're just a natural consequence of their choices, their they were carried into captivity with the Babylonians. They were carried into captivity with the Assyrians. I think all of this suffering produced hope. They had perseverance and endurance. This was a people that knew how to remember God. They had built things into the way that they practiced their religion, just the way that they did life with their families, so that when God got quiet for 400 years and they yearned for his voice, when Jesus came, like the stage was set. And God had everyone's attention. And then he did this, and he needed to have it because he did this crazy thing. He didn't give birth, he didn't have his son born in a castle or a a powerful place. He had his son born in this humble place, running for his life almost from birth. And through all of that, we get Jesus and his incredible life, lived in perfect obedience to God, and then he dies on a cross and he saves humanity. I just... If I can speak on behalf of all of us, can we just say Christmas was, like, the best day in humanity's life? Like, the way that I look back on the birth of my kids is, like, oh, these were days that my life changed forever. Christmas just, it changes all, like, just the course of all of our history forever and forever. And in order to be able to really experience that, we've got to let God into our suffering so that he can produce perseverance and endurance and hope. And you might say about my story with suffering, oh, come on, Carol, like, your baby came home fine. Like, that's actually a happy story. Like, oh, you suffered for three days, and then things got really good again. And, um, and I would completely, sincerely agree with you. I've had a really fortunate life. I've had a life that is fairly free of suffering. But I think we've all heard and seen and experienced examples of people in our lives or even people that we know about from, you know, just their stories get around because they've done remarkable things who have taken suffering and have turned it into something really beautiful. And I think that that's God's invitation for us as we just go through some of the mundane hurts and pains of our everyday lives that um, we can take inspiration from people who have done so much more than us. I was just watching um, the biopic of, uh, it's not actually about Walt Disney, it's about Pamela uh, Lyndon, what's her name? Travers, who wrote Mary Poppins, but like Walt Disney is in it. And there's a part where Disney is talking about his dad. And by every measure, he had an abusive father deliver the newspapers in the snow know you don't get any shoes, and sometimes as a child, as like an eight-year-old, Walt Disney would fall asleep in the snow. Can you imagine your eight-year-old falling asleep in the snow? Like, that's very dangerous, you know? And if he didn't get the, the papers delivered on time, you know, he'd get beaten. And then he grew up to create, like, Disneyland and Disney World and all of those movies. Like, how much joy has entered the world through this man who took a hard childhood and found a way to hope and to give that to other people, there are so many others like that. Like, I mean, I just I can't even begin to name Malala Yousafz. I can't say her name. You know the Malala I'm talking about, and Anne Frank, and you know Ellie Wiesel. Like so many people who they find meaning and they find hope through these difficult, difficult experiences. And they're able to embrace and to walk in the light. And some of them through Christ, and some of the people that I listed are not Christians, but it's just something about our humanity. God has built this into us that we can take our difficult times and our challenges, and we can connect with him in this unique way. Something unusual that's going on in uh, the life of one of my family members, my sister. I got to see her this um, this Thanksgiving, but um, it's been a story in the national news. One of her friends from work um, was uh, reported missing a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, and then it was discovered that she was actually murdered by her husband, which is really strange. My sister works in, like, the cor- like a very corporate kind of a world, and she's like, I'm, like, at DuPont, like, we're... Like, we're all standing around our cubes talking about, like, how did this thing happen to our friend, you know? Um, the the husband and Jennifer's, her name, they got into an argument, and um, yeah, and then he, he killed her, and then he like hid the body and dumped the car, and it took the police days to figure out what was going on. And she's trying to process all of this, just like with her work colleagues at work. And some people are very, very angry, and they have a lot of rage at um, the husband, and I think reasonably so. You know, he took their friend from them. Um, but my sister has had this amazingly gracious response. She's actually, I'm just going to brag on her a little bit. I hope she doesn't mind. Um, she's actually written a letter to the guy in, in prison. And, um, and he wrote her back. He actually gave her a, a phone call. And she talked to him just very calmly. And um, turns out if you want to send someone a book in prison, it has to come from the publisher. So you got to Amazon that instead of mailing it directly. Because who knows about contraband. So good to know. Now, Now we all know a little more about this bizarre world. But Allison has just found so much grace for this person. And it's been really amazing for me to watch my sister just, like, growing into this, like, godly, saintly woman, you know? Like, she's taken the pain that she feels at the loss of her friend. And she's, the thing she said to me is, you know, if he doesn't experience it now, I'm sure at some point soon he's going to feel an intense regret over what happened with like a choice that he made in a moment that now has an impact on the whole rest of his life, you know? And um and I I don't want him to think that God hates him when that happens. So I'll be the person who writes him a letter and reminds him that like yes this was awful and God still loves you and he's still pursuing you. Man, I think that's I think that's just amazing. I think just like being able to take that terrible thing and say, "You know, I'm going to find God in this." I mean at the at the at the the cost of, you know, maybe sounding like I'm trivializing it. You know, if she can find that there, then I think that when I'm standing in line for Christmas wrapping paper, I can probably find some hope. I can probably find a connection to Jesus, you know? And so that's something I just want us to end with today. We're going to do a form of the daily examine, and we're just going to look for God in our morning this morning. So from the time that you woke up until the time now, we're just going to take some time and pray. And, um, you know, I, I think that we all have different kind of places of where our suffering is and it's sometimes it's a little bit easy to get into like a suffering off you know like oh this pain is worse than that pain something I notice actually is like it's always the person with less pain who does the suffering off like I like my suffering doesn't count because it's not as much as somebody who has more suffering And the person with more suffering is like no 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 it, it still counts like you don't have to suffer as bad as I suffer for this to count like you know it's, it's okay so let's not like like push away our suffering, like the things that are challenging in our life right now. Let's not say, "Well, my friend wasn't murdered, so you know that's not in Kara's. It doesn't count because it's not as much as Kara's story about her sister's friend. So, I'm fine. I'm fine. Can we just take a minute and let God point us to wherever kind of pain we have? And maybe it's a really mundane kind of hurt. Maybe it's a really normal kind of stress for for like people in our stage of life or in our you know kind of living situation or whatever. Like maybe it's really average and ordinary. Or maybe you are going through something that is exceptional. Like this is like, I'm going through pain right now, and it's like bad life, kind of changing the course of my life kind of pain. And I just want us to close our eyes, and I'll kind of guide us through this. It'll take about three minutes for us to give God a chance to really speak into that. So would you join me in prayer? So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to become aware of the presence of God. So I'm just going to start with a little breath prayer that we do upstairs with the kids. So as we breathe in, we think, God, you are here, and I am with you. God, you are here, and I am with you. So we'll want to first start with giving thanks. So anything we can think of that happened from the moment we woke up this morning until now. As just those thoughts pop up or as you consider your morning, just say thank you. Thank you, God, for breakfast. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for the warm hug I got when I walked in the church. Let's just do that for a second. Consider the things we can thank God for. Next, we're going to consider what emotions we've experienced this morning. Did we have frustration at home, trying to get ready for church, or did we just have a really sweet time this morning connecting with others? Can we just name those emotions and give those to God? Maybe even confessing sin, if we had a sinful response, or Rejoicing in ways that, you know, we acted in a way that brings honor to God. All right, then let's pick one feature of our morning, either a joy or maybe a sorrow, and let's really turn our heart toward prayer and um, praying in boldness that we can trust that whatever we're asking God for, maybe we're aware of a problem that we need help with or a pain that we need healing for or maybe just a blessing that we're really thankful for and we want God to continue that or help us share that with others. God is listening, so let's tell him, let's ask him for what we want and for what we need. And then the last thing that we do is we look forward to the next hours with hope so we'll commit the next hours of our day maybe just as we consider our afternoon or the coming evening we entrust those to god and um we trust him to help us with those and yeah we hopefully look forward to that so let's do that now let's consider the future Let me just close us in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the morning that you've given us. We all woke up this morning, and we got to experience just, I mean, the things that you give to everyone, oxygen and sunlight. Thank you so much for each other, and that we can sing songs to you, and that we can feel your presence, and that we can come to you with everything that's going on in our lives. Lord, I ask that this Advent season, especially this week, would be marked by hope, that we would be able to slow down and in an unhurried way that we could really allow your presence to just fill up our lives so that as we go about all of our day-to-day things, work doesn't stop during Advent and we have a lot of preparations to make to really enjoy the season. God, I ask that you would be present that you would let us experience you, and that you would change us, that it wouldn't be through our effort or our striving that we would become better Christians, but that it would be through our trust and our rest, that you would change us on the inside, and that you would help us to grow in grace. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.